hello. Welcome to Broken Vermont. It's Erin and Jen, and we have a special guest. A very special guest. Very special. It was only fitting to bring her in, I think, for as our first guest, as the owner of this amazing podcast studio and co-working space. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. This is Monique Priestley, uh, executive director and founder of The Space on Main. Yay! <laughs> so great. Thank you for yeah, being here. You. Like last night, no, it's <laughs> very kind of you. <laughs> I appreciate you. No, thanks for the invite. It would be really great to hear a little bit more about both like your personal ventures and then also maybe a little bit about your public life and who you represent. Sure. Maybe not, you don't represent them, maybe not here in this space <laughs> necessarily, but <laughs> this is your space. <laughs> All these thoughts. Were yeah, it's your um, business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yes, yeah, so I um, have a community workspace in Bradford, Vermont. Uh, so the space on Main. So it was opened. Actually, it's going to be its birthday is next Thursday, Yay. I think, the twelfth. Um, five years. So uh, wow. that we've been open. Uh, yeah, really. So that's you had fun. foresight. <laughs> Major <laughs> foresight. Something. Vision. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that. Uh, so I'm here. So that's my full time thing. Um, so I'm here all the time. Uh, and then. Um, and I also kind of, I also still um, contract for a software company in Seattle remotely. So that helps me keep in touch with the remote work life. Um, and uh, and then I am a state representative for Orange too. And so that's Bradford Fairley and West Fairley. Count them. Three jobs. Three jobs, three. people. Yeah. That's what we say. That's what we said in the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. For Vermont. Everyone has, in Vermont. That's three jobs. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you for being our rep. Yeah, definitely. We have a cool rep. I tell people that all the time. I have a favorite. I don't, I'm not even <laughs> your not, rep. I know. No, you're not yeah, mine but either. You know, but. We don't have to talk about that. All right, all right, all right. You Still cover the area that we both work in. Yeah, okay, in fair. Some way. Fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Yeah. I yeah. work here. Shared, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shared interest in the people of this yes, region. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm representing like three specific towns, like – the work, like I, I get requests from people in other towns all the time, and it, it could be that like the rep doesn't know how to help, or their rep is not answering them. Um, yeah. So I would just like just a shout out for like communicating with legislators is like we're all in the building, we're all networking, and like if you don't get an answer from your rep, like go to another rep. <laughs> how do people get in contact with you? Yeah, so the easiest way is the uh, Vermont legislative website. There's like if you can find um, a legislator, so you can just put in their last name, or you can put in the town, um, or you can see a whole list of all of them, or you can Google. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, just Google. <laughs> is it better to email or write a letter or call you? Yeah, good question. Uh, I definitely email. Okay. Uh, not only because I'm a millennial and I don't like phone calls, <laughs> um, uh, but the email, like if it's a, often I'll receive questions that I don't know the answer to. Uh, I'm not an expert in all the things of life. Um, and so um, I can, it helps me to one, like write back and clarify if I have questions and, or I can forward the email to somebody like a state agency who can, who knows the answer. And then I forward it, usually just get back in touch with somebody. Yeah, it's one of the things, uh, we mentioned it on the first pod, but we really appreciate about Vermont is the accessibility of the legislators and, you know, the fact that you can just walk into the state house and talk to them <laughs> if you want yeah. to during session. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, actually, I wish, I mean, I, I think as a new legislator, like I 
prior to being elected. Like I love going in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, one thing I, I wish is like I wish more public came into the building all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when you look up and like see a balcony full of people, like it's it's really inspiring to like know that people are really paying attention. Uh, and I would just, I worked on a zine the other day at our nice. steam club with the kids. Uh, and my little zine was like ways to interact with legislators because like, um, you know, I think people don't realize what a resource people like legislators can be and that you can expect them to be like, uh, you know, I've connected people with like social service agencies or, um, funding opportunities for their town that are like state or federal funding, um, or escalated. Like if people have had issues with, um, I'm not going to name companies, but specific internet service providers and or, um, electric companies, um, there are, there are routes to report it's not issues. specific in yeah. Vermont at all. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, they can follow up. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> follow up. <again>. Yeah. <laughs> Come with their pitchforks. Um, no, so, like, there are routes, and then I think are helpful to follow, and people should follow as far as, like, reporting issues, mm-hmm. but people don't know that what those are. And then yeah. if you, you know report an issue and nobody gets back to you, like that is something you can ask your legislators to be like, hey, this public service utility is not responding to Mm. me. I need help like escalating it. I've done that a lot and it's actually been, it actually, they're really good about getting back to a legislator. So that's great. um, Yeah. Yeah. Phone a legislator. Phone a legislator. Well, no, (laughs) write an email to a legislator. Actually email because we're millennials. (laughs) You'll scare them. Like what is my my phone ringing? But on the flip side, there are a lot of them who don't, Check yes. emails regularly, so maybe yes. letters are better. <laughs> it depends on age demographic. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about, too, is kind of your perspective. We see, uh, if you're not aware, the federal government almost shut down <laughs> this weekend. Slightly aware. Yeah. <laughs> and for us at the Conservation District, it was it was slightly a thing because yeah. we're co-located in a federal office and it affected more, some people more than others. Just the amount of time we like people wasted prepping <laughs> for some kind of disaster that didn't happen. But do you, how how do you like working in state legislature? And like, do you have an opinion on Vermont? Is it is it doing well in the state legislature? People getting along and reaching agreement? Yeah. Um, so in general, one, like, I love it. Um, it. And I think, so the the work itself, like, there's a lot of, like, project management and, and things like that um, that is easier than I, like, kind of anticipated. <clears throat> um, and the piece that's, like, I would say the media helps spin um, and polarization the last couple of years has helped spin is, like, the disconnect party against party kind of like disconnect. And I actually have felt, I have felt kind of energized by having conversations cross party. And I think it's like a cool thing about Vermont is we don't have people screaming at each other on the floor and that kind of stuff that we might see in like national politics. But um, I would say that uh, it's much easier. Um, I guess there's spaces that facilitate cross party conversation more frequently than I like expected. Um, and it's really refreshing to like, although I'm not going to agree with everybody to like hear where people are coming from. And then the Pete, the voices of the constituents they're representing, um, is really beneficial one, like as a 
policymaker, uh, but also as like a individual human, like professional development wise, like and just human development wise of like hearing the different perspectives that people are bringing to the table. Um, there's just way more of that than I feel like the general public, the general public, I think in general, I get a lot of like, oh, you're a Dem, so you're like only concerned with Dem things and like you don't talk, you don't want to talk to me because I'm a Republican or, you know, whatever it is. And like that, that is fair because that's, that's what we're like hearing. That's what we're consuming. Um, but it's, but I actually love having conversations with people who from, from other parties. I don't know. I'm on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> is it true that Vermont has a really strong like it's actually a tri-party system because we have a, a pretty robust independent party. Yeah, I mean, I would say like it's. I feel like we another we need another word that's like omni omni party or something. Yeah. So as we have like the dem, yeah, just people representing <laughs> yeah. all people. of the people representing people. Yeah, uh, dems uh, officially party like dems, Republicans, progressives. There's some other ones in there. We have a libertarian now, um, and then independents <laughs> and libertarian. Yeah, good Vermont. So proud. <laughs> so proud to live here. Um, but it like. Uh, I was at a meeting in D.C. the other day, and a few colleagues went over to Congress to watch the hearings, and they came back, and they're like, wow, that's a circus. That is, like, we would never be able to get away with acting the way that they do. So, like, in general, like, when we're on the floor, we're having, you know, we're talking, we're respecting other people's voices, um, and we're getting work done. So, like, it actually, Vermont actually, like, gets stuff done. I know it feels slow sometimes, but... Everybody's very dedicated. Um, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. From my experience, like going to the state house and enlisting sessions, and I'm just like, wow, they all just want to make Vermont a better place for everyone. <laughs> Can't say the same for all the states or the federal government. Yeah, there's not too many, like, corporate interests that own the state. Like, there are other states that are really – overtaken by their industry it's a little less so here i think yeah so i would they're present yeah (laughs) they're very present uh that was actually one fun and and terrifying sometimes like i would say um yeah there's definitely lobbyists in the bill there's a lot of lobbyists Mm -hmm. like in general vermont actually has a, a high number i've um I was started reading articles about it because I was so I was uh, curious <laughs> about how many it seemed like a lot and it is, um, and and big corporations are definitely um, represented for sure uh, and you felt that with certain bills and I I'm actually I'm fine being public about this like the right to repair bill, John Deere swooped in hard <laughs> um, yeah. and all of the kind of you know that kind of stuff. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what was the outcome of that because I've heard about it peripherally yeah so that passed through the house um and then it's in the senate right now so the senate and it's it's a right to repair farm instruments it's uh this one is specifically for farm and agricultural so it includes like logging and and things like that um and so it would be the first bill if it passes through the whole body it would be the first bill to include um like forestry equipment so for people who don't know for equipment like john deere tractors if you want to fix it, you can't just fix it in your home shop. You have to take it to the dealer. Uh, it, yeah, I would say like broadly, it's uh, access. So some some equipment and and not just John Deere. There's some equipment just like our computers and stuff like that that mm-hmm. like limits. Um, the bigger thing is the <clears throat> the software 
locking down things or triggering um, error codes and that kind of stuff that need to be reset by somebody with a, like a computer system that can go in. Um, Computers taking over everything. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> I can't even fix my own truck. <laughs> what is that? My own tractor. <laughs> um, That's true, yeah, but they're in the building. But I actually think it's uh, again access wise. There are lots of lobbyists, lots of advocates, advocates in the building, and it's nice. Like I feel like on every issue, you have people on both sides, uh, so you can get kind of a like I talk to everybody on all sides to just get a better picture of like what are the what are the real things they're trying to get at, what are the questions they have, what are the concerns they have, like that kind of stuff, which is really nice. Like in Vermont, that we have that's just like a lunch um, or you know whatever. How can someone get like more involved um, in just like knowing the process, coming to the state house? Like, how, what advice would you give someone? I would say come to the building. Um, no, <laughs> email me. Oh, uh, yeah. No, actually, I love, I honestly, I'm joking, but like, honestly, love uh, when people come to the building and uh, showing people around. Um, it's really fascinating to see both the, the floor, like the actual votes happening, um, but then the committee process, which you can actually watch the committee process on YouTube and the floor process on YouTube anytime you want. Um, every Which is new since the pandemic, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's been a huge improvement, I yeah. think, yeah. like for myself to be able to participate. So yeah. that's another way. Yeah. Tune in on yeah. YouTube. Definitely. Live, like it's it's happening. Yeah. You know? Every time we sit down, if we have a quorum of a committee or anything, it has to, we have to go live before we can meet. So I'm so glad they kept that. Yeah. So yeah. It made things interesting when we like lost power over the winter and things like that. <laughs> like we, we're just actually, this is like, it was actually really fun, but also bizarre to like have a building with no lights and just like emergency lights. And we're all just sitting there like <laughs> running around talking to each other. I mean, it's fun that like it was, you know, those moments of like the human side are, are really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, why did you decide to go into like policy and want to be a rep? Yeah. I mean, that's not, it's not something I like planned really. <laughs> it's definitely something that like, of course people are less, decade or so all the time or like when are you gonna be a rep and blah 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 but it's not something I planned for myself um and it's kind of like anything else I didn't know I was in like focusing on economic development and community work until I was like on all like five different boards that were like our economic development corp and our <laughs> chamber and our business association like oh yeah this is economic development um so yeah, I would just say I originally started on the Conservation Commission in 2009. Um, and, yeah. In I Bradford? Like, yeah. Yeah. Nancy Jones pulled me along, pulled me in. And so I had moved, uh, let's see, I was, this was before I went to grad school. So I was, like, living here trying to figure out what was next. I went to grad school in 2010 in Seattle. Um, I stayed on bo diff different boards, library board at that time I was on as well. Um, so I just did some of that stuff remotely, um, and then moved back. Um, but I was young and tech, you know, tech savvy, um, and just genuinely interested in community. Like I grew up very community focused because my, my mom, um, but so that led to, you know, little, uh, like the healthcare board and the chamber and the library board and public safety and, uh, all the stuff <laughs> until it was regional. So then it was like vital communities and then it was Green Mountain Economic Development Corporation. Then it was statewide uh, with Vermont Council of Rural Development, um, Community Capital of Vermont. So um, all of these things kept on kind of, you know, 
I would say, progressing <laughs> to uh, having a better idea of all of the issues that people are like facing. Um, and so uh, Sarah Copeland-Handis, when she um, wanted to run for Secretary of State, asked me to like run for her spot. Um, so that's how that happened. Very cool. How do you feel about not having staff as a legislator? <laughs> and is that why there's so many lobbyists? And, you know, how do you how do you deal with the amount of work that you have to do on your own? Yeah, uh, it's like it's a lot. <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot. I like people are like, oh, how's your your summer? Like, uh, you know, now that you're not in session, I was like, I never, I don't feel like I like I stopped going to the floor and I stopped going to committee, but like, I am meeting people a lot for just like random. It, it's kind of like I mean, going to your your podcast and the like the broken pieces, like. Um, I don't know. I think uh, some people like know me or feel comfortable reaching out. So like sharing some stuff uh, that are just like big issues that then I'm like, I don't know how, like, especially not having staff and stuff like, I don't know how to navigate this. Um, luckily, I feel super comfortable reaching out to, you know, people in state agencies and things like that to have conversations to try to like navigate things. Um, if somebody, one, like isn't kind of somebody who will just, uh, self-learner to like go online and, and look things up and, or isn't comfortable having conversations. Like, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, without, um, without staff, I'm running around. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's like, it's fun for me, but it's a, it's a lot. Um, and, and it does, but it does, as you said, highlight the importance of actually having like lobbyists and advocates and, and just general public in the building. Um, because the more kind of like voices you're hearing from, I feel like you can put together a more concrete understanding of any issue. It, it seems like a personal choice Vermont made. Like, is there ever any talk about beefing up the capacity of legislators or raising their pay? I know a lot of legislators with three jobs. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a legislative pay bill um, that did not make it through last time. Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> didn't vote for that. Yeah, and that's that's interesting. I mean, I feel like I can be frank on this. Maybe people will not like it, but um, it we can't like we can't be equitable until we like raise the pay. Like I definitely lost money as a legislator because right. I I couldn't make time for that third job. <laughs> I you know um, so and if we want more young people, if we want more people who are um, just like having families. Um, marginalized populations like in general like right now it's very much i feel like you're best situated if you're retired and or independently wealthy and you don't have to like juggle a mortgage payment with student loans with like feeding your kids and <laughs> that kind of stuff um mm -hmm. i've not i don't feel like we've had i could be wrong but i don't think we've had the staff conversation mm -hmm. um uvm does a really good job like actually like uvm there's a really good partnership with uvm to have students be interns. Um, so they'll take on sometimes like going into, we had some committee interns for um, commerce and they would go into like the Senate meetings. They'd listen and they'd come back and report every week. Um, so some people have interns for sure. Mm. What's the intern like process and can it be open for like community members if someone just wants to to intern and want to know more about the process yeah, and take um, it back out to the community? So formally UVM has this, um, uh, Liz Raddick um, kind of coordinates students for UVM. So right now that's just UVM students. I actually had a student um, from Mount Holyoke 
um, who's like a local resident who was helping me out because as a newbie, I I didn't get a I didn't get an intern, um, <laughs> so I found my own. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, mind. I feel like yeah, if you actually had a conversation at a dinner the other night, there was a few of us like accepting a award for the rural caucus for the work on that the housing bill, um, and there was a an older person there who was retired, and uh, we're like, you want to be our intern? <laughs> like, we're looking. She's like, I'd like to get more involved. We're like, great, we have Super. assignments for you. <laughs> yeah, um, come join yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> for free. Yeah, yep. yeah. I like working with people of all ages. Yeah, totally. Really, like, there's so much wisdom and experience yes. that you can bring in, and yes. then there's also like energy and new ideas of the youth. It's great. Yeah, you gotta mix yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, def- like for me, I just really heavily rely on having conversations with people um, outside of the building, like just every every day, like trying to just go to, I don't know, community meetings or or whatnot. Um, I don't know how you could do the job without that. Asking people what they need. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. How can we help you? <laughs> Actually, hold on. I want to go off that because, like, when I was Please campaigning. Do. Um, no, just like pe- like, um, people would be like, well, what are your, what are your agenda items and what are you going to do? I'm like, what are your agenda <laughs> items? Yeah. Um, tell me what yeah, you want. Please tell you, <laughs> tell me what works. you want my platform to be. Um, but it was, it was like a little disheartening and I'm like, you know, it's been less disheartening now than I'm like seeing, um, just how disconnected people feel. But, um, but yeah, I like the whole point is to represent the people in the district that I'm representing. So, um, you know, when people, I have people who write all the time and, um, will give me this like really lengthy thing. I think they like one, I don't think they've been heard. So like they tell a very, like a story. Um, but then I'll like, I'm usually on my computer. So I'll usually write back in like five minutes to be like, thank you so much for sending this. I'm going to look into this. And then they write back and they're like, well, what you just read that? Like, you, I didn't actually expect that you're. I was like, come like that. That is the whole point of my job. <laughs> like, yes, I think there's yeah. a disconnect though, because yeah. yeah. like people just assume politicians don't care. Yes, and, and that's like, a media spin, and like I get it. That's and, like, true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not just a media spin. There are huge systemic issues that like some people, people really feel. don't care. So. Yeah, some people don't care. Well, yeah, I, I think like you said that that's actually part of your job. That and I feel like. Aaron and I, this is similar in our work where it's like, we have to spend the time listening. That's actually part of our like billable hours. We have to do that in order to do our job well. And I wonder, I think that that probably escapes some lawmakers over time. (laughs) That they're not exactly like, I'm here. You voted for me. (laughs) Now I tell you what What to to do. do. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely, um, again, like some constituents from out of town, other towns who, yeah, it's clear that their lawmakers not listening because they've tried, and then they're going to somebody else. Um, and yeah, it's just it, that is, that part is disheartening for me. Like, um, especially when it's you know, as a public citizen, if you try to email for them, like it depends agency to agency, staff to staff. But like sometimes you, if you try to like go kind of above and just the top of the ladder type thing. Uh, you, you could get an ignored as soon as like I write an email, I tend to get a response back. Um, and so some things it's like I had an instance where a homeschool student missed a reporting 
deadline because they have to report in um, on a regular basis. They missed it by like an hour, and it meant that they might have to stop homeschooling and go back to their school. And like all that was required was like an email to the Secretary of Ed to ask for a waiver. And their rep didn't respond to them. Uh, so they reached out to me, and I like wrote the email, and the Secretary of Ed responded like immediately, and it's just like fine. Um, and it was something that simple that like is has big ramifications to somebody's life. Um, so yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're doing this work. <laughs> no, we need Thanks like standing ten in the more money. <laughs> I need ten weeks, <laughs> but you can't have mine. I'm so sorry. She's mine. My friend. <laughs> Not even my rep, so she's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this this space is so incredible that we're in right now. If anyone has not been to Bradford, it's a really cute town, but definitely check out the space on Maine. It's amazing, two story, almost three story, almost gonna, three, gonna be three, yeah, future three, yeah, three story co working space, meeting space, podcast and audio visual studio maker space, right? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Thank um, you. Yeah. Tell us about this vision. How did this happen? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so this was, um, I would say it was 2016. Um, I was actually at a business association social. Uh, I would say in general. So I, at the time, I was, I was probably spending more of my time in Seattle than here, as like somebody who, like, a recent grad, is younger, who like. I was like, do I live in the city and make a bunch of money? Do I <laughs> live in the country and prioritize community? Um, and for me, it was community. And uh, But coming back here, being one of, like, few people from my class who was, like, still here, that kind of thing, and most of Main Street, the buildings, the storefronts were empty. So it did, it felt pretty depressed. Um, and we had one meeting in particular where it was like really depressing and people were just like, you know, the, the, just the conversation was like, what are we going to do? Like, can we even, our business is going to survive here. What, how can we get people to move here? And so I like, I had been working remotely. I had friends who were traveling all over the world at different co-working spaces. Um, so I was like, I have this idea for like a shared space. Um, and then, we just spent like the rest of the night talking about, it, which is super fun. Um, and then I eventually did, um, I had just helped a friend. He was like three years into his nonprofit. Um, and I had been on a bunch of boards. So like the, the nonprofit piece felt pretty doable to me. So we, yeah, basically did a community survey, uh, to find out if there was a, what people thought about it. Uh, that was like, you know, 24 hours, there was like 85 responses of like, what would you use a shared space for? How much could you pay? What would you want to offer in it? What would you need in it? That kind How of stuff. How did you get 85 responses of 24 I have hours? no idea. I have no idea. Because it's Facebook. Monique. <laughs> I don't know. Facebook Everyone loves Monique. Like people, I, people were like genuinely interested. Yeah, I did not, I expected something. like 20 responses. That's a big yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like 85 in 24 hours yeah. in rural Vermont. Yeah. yeah. Like, you needed an award for that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and the cool thing was I went and had caught, I like scheduled coffee with like everybody who was local that had answered the survey. Um, and then that led to like, you should talk to my cousin and my sister and my uncle and you know, whatever, um, this person down the street. Um, so then I had coffee with like those people. So it was like 300 conversations of like, just trying to do market research basically. Um, and 
it was fun because along the way, the stories of what people needed in order to be in a community and live here, like that kind of ended up driving, not only driving things, but like driving me. It was like, at a certain point, it was like, these people are, we're going to lose people if they like don't build the space. <laughs> um, so, um, and people need like, you know, many of the conversations ended up just both of us crying <laughs> because yeah. they're so de- people are just so desperate, feeling isolated, not feeling like there was a future here. So um, that really like kept me going. So in like 2017, we got our nonprofit status. Um, I mostly didn't do too much that year. My mom was in the hospital, and then at the end of 2017, started getting our first money. At the same time, Colatina was going to expand uh, their restaurant and or I was going to do the co-working space. But I was like, I don't know if I can come up with $100,000. And they were like, well, we don't know if we can wait for you. So uh, they were awesome. But basically, it was a race to like, can I actually, can we fundraise? Um, so um, there was a lot of like the state tax credit money. That was a whole ride. Um, <laughs> that's very interesting political uh, thing to navigate. Um, and then, uh, and then a lot of donations in the Byrne foundation gave us an initial donation. Um, Shout out to Dorothy Byrne. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yes. What a gal. <laughs> yes. We need uh, her on the pod. Yeah. No, that would be amazing. Would be actually. That'd be amazing. Do you know, my sister's name is Dorothy Byrne. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that no relation, one. but that yeah, no, that's great. Um, but yeah, so, uh, opened in October, 2018, basically. Um, your vision beyond, like, because I'm just thinking, like, most co-working spaces to me came, like, during the pandemic. And the fact that you thought of this idea before the pandemic <laughs> in rural Vermont is just, like, mind-blowing. Yeah, it's so, it's really, it's it's interesting. Because uh, not only was it, like, about trying to get remote workers here and to, like, foster community, but but now the pandemic caused you know, such a disconnect, isolation, mental health, like just, you know, um, issues. Uh, and I think that people need community more than ever. Uh, and that's the whole point of the space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so it's a, it's not even the remote work piece, like the remote work piece for sure. But, um, also if you have a bunch of remote workers moving to the middle of Vermont and you're not fostering how to connect them to community, um, you're like missing a huge opportunity for just community well-being in general. So um, that piece I like was ingrained, but I didn't realize how much of an impact that would. Ha- uh, nobody did <laughs> of a pandemic. Like yeah, yeah. Look at you thinking in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then like the money is one thing, but the actual execution is another. Like this place is. seriously it's like you thought of every little detail there's like pens exactly where you need them like post-its games like markers whiteboards yeah and this podcast (laughs) who would have thought like in bradford vermont there would be a podcast studio so monique yeah (laughs) she she did think well well no i mean i'm not gonna take full credit for this okay so we have a team yeah well no so not just a team but um so lots of community support, but but more importantly, um, the co-working kind of ecosystem and the like shared economy, like people who are like attracted to that type of idea. Um, I visited when I was doing the market research piece, I would visited spaces in like New York and Seattle and uh, Oregon and, um, you know, 
Massachusetts and all kinds of stuff. But then in Vermont, New Hampshire, I visited all of the maker spaces, community spaces, co-working spaces, trying to like figure out um, what they were doing, how to form a budget, like all the kind of stuff that I needed for like a business plan. Um, in two, was it 2018, I guess, right when we like, actually it might've been 2019, um, February, 2019, uh, there was a Senate hearing, uh, economic development. Um, and they had asked me to bring together all of the co-working space, um, operators, um, into one space. Um, and so they all came here and we had a Senate hearing on site. Um, and that I had met everybody, but they hadn't met each other. Um, and so we kind of kept in touch, um, you know, we'd go to see each other's spaces. So a lot of like having a podcast studio was like, going to other people's spaces, like VSET had one, um, Black River Innovation Campus had one. Um, and then also I go to like national and kind of global co-working um, and economic development conferences and then follow those spaces on Instagram and things like that. So like there's a really cool space in South Carolina that I follow. Um, so some things like, you know, having blue wires is because I was like inspired by this um, Huga uh, in South Carolina. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it is just, like, cool. yeah, paying attention. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> I guess, what advice would you have some, to someone that wanted to move to this area and start a business? Yeah. Um, or someone who's already in this area and they want to start a business. Take the business planning course. <laughs> At this space on Maine. It's yeah. hybrid, actually, so. Yeah, Aaron took it. So, um, yeah, cool. so we have a 10-week business planning class that's free. Um, it's wow. grant-supported uh, by Vermont uh, Women's Fund um, and Vermont Community Foundation and uh, Vermont Department of Agri Agriculture. And I feel like I'm forgetting someone on this one. It always changes up. Uh, <laughs> um, but that is hybrid. Yeah, so people can take it from anywhere in Vermont, New Hampshire. Um, and that is like I've had people who have been in business for 30 years and just need to pivot. Um, I've had people who have five ideas and they don't know which one to pick. I've had people who are like in process or um, just looking to start. Um, but that the the piece of that is like the community piece. It's like, Mostly it's getting people in the same room to talk through their vulnerabilities and um, exploring an idea when they don't know where to start. Um, yeah. Well, I like the class, so I think everybody else should take it too. Even <laughs> if you Sarah. don't have a... <laughs> Even if you don't have a business idea, well, we all have business ideas. So <laughs> yeah. let's let's start there. Everyone has a business idea. You should take it to help execute it, or just say, "Is this a great idea, or is this not a great idea?" So, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, um, so some people will go through the class and they'll do their thing right away. Some people will realize they have a lot more work to do to lay the groundwork and or to get funding, uh, and some people realize like. This is no. This is not something I can do right now, and or this might not ever actually work in this area. But those are all valuable like lessons. Um, yeah. And everybody needs another job, so yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. the way the economy is going, we need four jobs to live in Vermont. I'm usually brainstorming another side hustle. Uh, yeah, we need another one. Yeah. Uh, um, broken Vermont. I would love to um, hear a about the committees that you serve on? I don't, can you list them? And yeah. Yeah, which ones are you working on? Yeah, so House members have one. So it's the House, con um, 
oh my God, House Committee on Commerce and Economic Development. Um, and then, but I'm also on a um, uh, uh, Joint Information Technology Oversight Committee, JITOC, um, which is, <laughs> yeah, which is uh, ha- three House members, three Senate members. Um, information Oversight. What kind of information are you overseeing? <laughs> uh, information technology okay. oversight, yeah. Okay. So um, that would be – so actually we haven't met yet, and I'm a newbie. Mm-hmm. So I am curious <laughs> what we're nice. – uh, Can but I sit in on this session? This yeah, committee? public. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> public. Um, <laughs> so in the very least, it's uh, Agency of Digital Services um, oversight um, and – I'm not actually sure what else we're going to take on. I've not seen an agenda. Um, but, um, wow. yeah, that's a, that's an area for me that I was passionate about. Like, I couldn't decide going in if I wanted to be on co- uh, commerce or if I wanted to be on, like, a tech committee. Um, they kind of dissolved the – it was energy and technology before energy and environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tech is kind of floating – <laughs> amongst various committees like artificial intelligence will probably be government operations um data privacy is under commerce um so there's pieces there i think cybersecurity, i'm guessing is GovOps. like that makes sense um and those are all areas that i uh yeah we are slow we're not the sl- i mean states in general uh are pretty slow on this and the federal government is probably not going to like come up with uh federal plans so we like it's really <laughs> important for us to start talking about all of that stuff like we're way behind if we compare ourselves to like europe so you just named like four committees that are kind of taking a piece of the puzzle how do you then de-silo do you come together and share with each other at some point? Uh, Hopefully. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sensitive, delicate. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it must be hard. No, 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 I guess no, no, no it's, good, it's, good, it's good. So, communication is key, guys. Communication. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I mean, uh, and uh, this is also like I am new. Uh, yeah. Still figuring this out, but. Um, if there's a bill, so say like um, right to repair. That's just an ex- example of like a bill that came to commerce, but it also went to ag. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume like data privacy is coming to commerce, but I wouldn't be surprised if GovOps took a look like I, I, and and maybe other committees as well. Because with something like that, uh, depending on how broad or specific it gets, like it could mention other things that fall under other committees. Um, there's, you know, so I, I think... It's interesting because there are definitely places where different committees have jurisdiction over a thing. So I understand they have to go there and we can't all see all this stuff. And it makes it really critical that your legislator is talking to people on all the different committees, honestly. Um, as like caucuses, as parties, like you tend to get a download of what's going on broadly in the building. Uh, but it's like, I spend a lot of time, like as soon as we're out of the building, I spend the rest of the night just trying to have conversations about what bills are coming up, um, with people from different. So do you sleep like a little bit? (laughs) No, I mean, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. I've gotten better. I, I do sleep. I've gotten much better. It's truly insane. I've, 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 I guess two years ago was the first time I was really invested in a bill in Vermont and watched it all go down. (laughs) And it's just unbelievable how much 
the legislators are trying to do at once yeah um, and understand and wrap their minds around and like make a good decision about yeah and it seems very challenging yeah and then there's the whole other piece too of like caucuses so okay, like yeah if, talk about that what's yeah a caucus? so if party caucuses but they also have topic area caucuses so like for instance i'm on rural caucus and that's something i attended as a public member um to keep up with a couple years ago um and so we tend to like take a look at the bills that are coming through and then um kind of like discuss bring in advocates or um discuss like how that bill can affect different populations depending on the caucus focus so in rural like for instance the housing bill we like talked about a bunch and like pushed a letter out from the caucus um there's like a working vermonters caucus there's like a um, older vermonters caucus there's climate solutions there's women's there's all kinds of like issue specific so that's that can a whole be other thing. members of the public and yeah that tends to be like official legislative members and then but the public like the rural caucus is like about 50 legislators but it's like I, I am the clerk for it and like so when I mail email people it's like 250 names yeah wow and is that also in your job description or is that something you voluntarily take on <laughs> <laughs> where is this question going uh, I guess no I'm just, no, I'm just kidding <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> like they don't force you to go do a caucus. No. You're choosing to participate. Yeah. And, I, and actually as a newbie, that was hard to be like, you want to, you want to try to keep up with all the things you want to be on all the things, but they're mm -hmm. often meeting at the same time. You literally can't unless you're like Hermione, but, um, <laughs> 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 um so, uh, I, I think most people tend to focus on like two or three, like I, I attended all rural caucus meetings because I was the clerk. I attended a few climate solutions caucus meetings. Um, and then for the most part for other caucuses, I was just like um, on the mailing list and keeping up with minutes and stuff like that and, and checking in with members who are on them to find out what the, the main pushes were. And can the community like look at the caucus online so they know when they're meeting and stuff like that? Mo mm -hmm. I think that super varies caucus to caucus, but for like rural, we have a Zoom link and you can get on, you can just, uh, actually you can go to, I think it's, oh my God, I should know this memorized. Uh, I think this is rural caucus VT or VT rural caucus. You could Google it, <laughs> um, but whatever that website is, uh, you go and there's a email subscription box at the bottom. So you can just put in your email and at the I bottom. Will email you <laughs> scroll down people <laughs> scroll down, to scroll bottom. down. <laughs> but we also have all our minutes and stuff on there but i think it and so you could join the zoom sometimes we try to record it um but yeah mm -hmm. um you've mentioned the housing bill a couple times can you touch on like even just some key points around housing that people are talking about right now yeah sure so yeah so the the housing bill was really interesting i would say um, and that was one of those bills where you see the politics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, in a, and especially also thinking about the, how communities differ. So, um, a lot of the bill was looking at, um, zoning, um, and what's, what's okay as like a housing type in different, um, areas and what should, what should be okay without being like fought all the time and that kind of thing. Um, so is that like, because typically towns can set their own zoning right yeah but the state might be giving some like overarching guidance right so yeah so a big piece of uh the housing bill too was 
a discussion about Act 250. Um, and that, I would say, going into the next session, uh, at least, like, yesterday I got email where, um, you know, there's four, at least four Act 250 studies happening right now from various, like, agencies and stuff around the state. Um, so going into the next session, um, definitely I feel like, you know, I've talked to certain um, – committee chairs uh on both house and senate and it's like housing is the main like we need to like that is the conversation like the whole next session so for someone who doesn't know what act 250 is can you briefly like go into that or um like an overview of what is act 250 i and we should probably spend a whole pod talking about Act 250 yeah. since it comes up so much in Vermont. It, mm-hmm. If you're not from Vermont, you have no idea what this is. Yeah. I don't care. You, it, it, <laughs> but it's... I would yeah, say that people, it's just super, super high level because I'm not an Act 250 yeah. expert. Uh, and from my understanding, it's like just a balance between conservation and like infrastructure, basically. Yeah. Development, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, and so, yeah, and, and making sure that that adapts as we go. Um, to the changing needs, like we need housing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's a whole process that someone, ha- like a developer, a person who's doing something construction-wise, has to go through to get environmental exactly to be in compliance yeah. with yeah, Act Two Fifty. I think I th- I'm gonna say this and <laughs> maybe get attacked, but um, I I think uh, as a newbie, uh, it seemed uh, like. Um, the willingness to have a discussion was like an interesting thing. Like I feel like that was largely what was being navigated this year. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I see that from our side of things too. And we yeah. don't really, we just don't deal with act 250 yeah. in the conservation district. I think we were supposed to originally, but there was some intent there. That's not really how it played out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it seems like a very fraught, issue which is a lot of yeah. people involved in a lot of opinions on yeah like a very strong conservation if, opinions as yeah well. and it, it doesn't just even affect like housing like um one thing that is i think going to be a, uh, a big area of focus um there's actually a shout out to um the emergency medical services survey mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh <laughs> the state is asking people to fill out uh that i just posted on social media okay, yesterday so we will um, post that on our social media too but yeah the um, emerge like emergency and utility like uh i would say even like utility services and i guess i was like it was making me think about emergency medical just like the infrastructure pieces that we have in our state can some in some ways like things like act 250 can affect like utility placement and power outages like that leads to like power outages that lead to medical issues like it's all super interconnected um and so to just say that like act 250 is like affecting conservation versus development on my case is like on on my side is like i actually should have like it's it affects much more of like daily life it can mm. um when it comes to like thinking about um move like the resilience of our utilities uh, and communication um, services. Wow. As far as like laying down power lines and moving power lines and rebuilding power lines and, uh, cable lines and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, it's, it's making me think too of the, um, like why we still needed an environmental justice law in Vermont, even though we have Act 250 Mm -hmm. is because it just really doesn't take 
human beings into consideration sure. or yeah. human health or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's like a tiny little piece of it that's public engagement, but that's not really the driving force yeah. behind that law. So, um, yeah, thinking about health, people need hospitals, but hospitals pollute too. And <laughs> people don't yeah. want polluters in their backyard. Yeah. It's fraught. Yeah. People need power, but they don't want a power station right behind them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Back to not having staff. (laughs) Not knowing all of this. Yeah. So many things you're supposed to be like a mini expert in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's all I can really say right now. (laughs) Mind is blown. (laughs) As it always is. But yeah, I mean, I guess to the car, I guess, um, conversations piece like the conversations with legislators but also like in general community members having conversations with other community members like it it's been fat like I have generally found that random conversations I have definitely you know uh come back around for you know some other random person will mention something and like oh I just talked to somebody about that so like mm-hmm. I try to constantly basically be having conversations with people but but it's uh it's um I guess thinking about like um being intentional with like community members and cross-sector communications uh between people um because you never know what's gonna impact like the other yeah what's gonna have an impact nothing's in a silo nothing's in a silo nothing should be in a silo but it's all (laughs) silo it's all (laughs) so does like local politics do they work with you on anything or give you feedback or tell you like what community members are coming to them and saying first like you know for state level stuff yeah that varies community to community um okay. i feel like uh and it's interest so so like uh west fairly and fairly since I'm, i don't live there um you know they just asked me to in fairly to like um come to a select board meeting where they were talking about school board the other day um, so that was like really awesome. Um, and I, and they invite, uh, a bunch of us to a housing call. Um, so in general, like that's awesome. Like I want to be in all those things that I can, um, in West Fairly, when I was running, um, we had a community, like a conversation at the community building, or I went to the, um, like town, the town meeting for the year, that kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely welcome that kind of stuff for sure. Um, in Bradford is different because I'm like still on like I, I dropped off like all of the boards in general uh, when I became a legislator just so I didn't have conflicts of interest. But um, uh, that was that was important to me. That's not something people typically do. But um, and but I stayed on like Bradford Resilience. Um, and so that's something that like uh, and I'm still going to things like there's like a steering committee. So I have that at lunch today. <laughs> um, so in general, like attending select board meetings, um, that's not something I've been asked to do as a rep I would say in any capacity um but in general I'm like as a community member who's been doing been a part of commissions for a while like I'm I'm doing that um yeah could you tell us a little bit more about the Bradford resilience so yeah so Bradford resilience it's actually like it's been pretty cool it um during COVID um we had a bunch of what I was seeing just across different like public safety and just in general, I have a community Facebook group I started. Um, and so I was seeing a lot of people like 
some people who had like volunteered before saying like, I want to make masks, but then who do I like get them to or brand new volunteers who are like, I want to help and I don't know how to volunteer. Um, and so started, um, resilience as a mutual aid group. And so that was very informal. Um, and that was, I mean, it was, it was kind of like formal, but informal, like, uh, it, it was not a town commission at the time. It was very much a citizen group, but the formal piece of it was like, I've done enough community organizing where we like put up I I like used a support ticket software system to like create a help desk for people who like needed COVID, um, you know, shopping trips and that kind of stuff. Um, so there was a lot of structure underneath it. And that basically we convened people from public safety, the schools, the healthcare libraries, um, like the cops, uh, town leadership, um, general community citizens, the churches. It's a very cross-sector conversation. And again, as with most of the conversations I like tend to convene, many of the people on the call hadn't been talking to each other. And so it was a, a very much a just like, oh, you guys have, you know, in some cases like the school district or Rotary, we'd get like, we got like access to thousands of masks and then the library needed masks or the school needed masks. So we got some like Rotary masks to the school um, or public safety had masks, but Little Rivers ran out. Like, you know, they were having a hard time with masks for people. Um, so that exchange in and of itself was really valuable. Um, what we quickly realized is that, like, with COVID, there was potential for, like, to get somebody's groceries, go to their house, infect them with COVID, and kill them. <laughs> um, so that was weird. Yeah. So uh, it made us in a. Normally I'm not super concerned about like volunteer efforts and things like that and just standing them up. But in this case, we're like, like liability wise, we're getting into a pretty scary area. So mm -hmm. that and wanting to get grants to do some public engagement, like have, we had yard signs that said like, call this number if you need help. Oh. Um, and so we asked. No, that, that sounds kind of like a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> yard signs, yard signs, very small. Um, <laughs> so many, many, many billboards. Um, so billboards are not allowed in Vermont for anyone who isn't. Didn't get that joke. <laughs> We're not the illegal. only state, though. <laughs> like Hawaii, I think Hawaii is oh, one really? of those. Good like, for them. It's hilarious. How would um, you know anything before billboards? <laughs> Um, but so we, because of that, we wanted to, I, I wanted to formalize as a town commission so that we had some protection there, um, liability wise and, and could use 501c3 status, four status. And so, yeah, so it became a official commission of the town and the, I wanted to keep that more, um, broad so that it could be, because, you know, we have things like floods and fires and, and all kinds of stuff that like emergencies that, there's no mechanism through the emergency management kind of sector, the existing sector, to do public outreach. Um, and so I wanted to preserve both the public outreach piece. There's no funding in there's, emergency management? For I don't know if there's public? funding. There's just like that. So as like as Vermont relies on volunteers for nearly all of its like fun functioning at a municipal level, like the emergency management kind of department – was very, like, did not know how to do, like, public engagement. Um. <laughs> Jen. Um. Oh, wait, 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 w
this is to highlight, I think. No, this is this isn't important. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is important. So yes. Um so what we did with the bylaws both these both these people losing are cracking it. up right losing now. Losing <laughs> yeah. I'm losing them. Um trying to get them back. Uh so um uh was basically like this commission will serve as a commission that generally kind of keeps up to date on like well-being issues in the community or and or emergencies mm-hmm. and also uh brings sure that all of the different sectors are talking to each other mm-hmm. and then reports back to the town and reports to the public and serves as like a community that's engagement a very seat. big role yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> to volunteer <laughs> yeah for volunteers to play that's yeah. do you I mean, have to live in bradford to to be on this committee like is it open up to yeah it? so what happened was the so the formal commission no, you do not have to live in Bradford. So I think we have, I should know this, I think it's seven. I think we have up to seven members. Then we have two alternates. There's technically like nine spots that we made. And that was just um, cannot exceed, people who are living outside of Bradford cannot exceed 50% of it, cannot be the majority. So the majority needs to be, or at least half, needs to be Bradford residents. Um, and that's just voting commission members to take actions. As far as like resilience, as far when I set this up with a group of other people who had been on calls, like I, so I, f- I chair those, coordinate those. And when it comes to community issues and like uh, emergencies and things like that, uh, and in most recently we're talking about uh, resources for people experiencing homelessness and. I am not the expert on that, and neither, I'm sorry, are the other commissioners. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so you know who is. <laughs> yeah. The people experiencing The people experiencing all this, this yes. Um, <laughs> and also, but also the social services that are on the ground, so like Capstone Community Action yeah, and yeah. Um, The Haven and Listen and um, Clara Martin Center and, like, Little Rivers. And so the that's the a poor, really good list yes it keeps going yeah. i mean we yeah we and that's have just this side of the state like upper valley ish totally yeah yeah and it's just and that's i'm not even getting into like so the the list of people who are attending meetings and um that's 80 people um and so that includes like again the churches public safety that kind of stuff but it also starts getting into like we're gonna start having 211 join the calls um and we're gonna start having path um Pathways of Vermont joined the calls, which had not been engaged before um, in anything to do with, like, com- like in general, as a general c- community-wide conversation um, for us. Like, they're, they've been serving. but um, And then um, things like H2RC, which is a syringe access um, program, um, and Vermont Cares, another syringe access program. So, like, interconnected issues along with, like, mental health, food services, that kind of stuff. So, um, so there is a formal structure for the commission to like that needs to vote on things have minutes warn meetings it's open to the public but then like i've tried to facilitate the meetings where i'm not really talking i'm just trying to although with varying degrees of success uh navigate rabbit holes and tangents and things like that and get us back on track you know real facilitator <laughs> real facilitator so yeah more facilitate the people who are on the ground doing the work and the people who are talking to the people who are experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Um, and so resilience in general, it's meant to be a convener of like all things, all things. Yeah. Look at Monique. Nice. <laughs> we're just, we're when do we just nice. give a shout out yeah. to Monique at this point? Because what? How do you have the time, A, to do all of the things that you are doing? Mm-hmm. 
And how do you like really prioritize yourself and your mental health? Because you do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, my calendar is always full of meetings, but I that gives me energy too. So like that I often, especially a conversation where um, people are genuinely like sharing maybe for the first time or connecting like the resilience calls I got an email um I might walk out of one meeting that's like kind of uh, a lot uh but then I'll get an email like I got one from Capstone and Downstreet that were like you know we were able to house somebody because we emailed the resilience thread and like you sent a message for us and then the other people saw it and they like got somebody in a housing that was like a first come first serve rapid thing Mm -hmm. um so that kind of stuff gives me energy but uh mental health i have been sleeping (laughs) (laughs) i watch tv uh no and i yeah i drive a lot so like listen to audible so podcasts i'm gonna listen to this podcast (laughs) uh i do a lot of i do a lot of books like a lot of audible which has been really fun um yeah speaking of broken and legislators like as a newbie uh, my list of books right so after good. session. Here we go. Uh, it, I know. Um, has been like crisis management, uh, hostage negotiation, <laughs> narrative psychology, uh, regenerative <laughs> economics. Um, nice. What else? Like, yeah, no, that's right. been my reading, reading list lately. Oh, and then now I'm just listening to like the, um, uh, you know, uh, all of the things, cybersecurity, AI, and uh, how much the governments need to talk to each other and things like that. Yeah. So the common theme is we just all need to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's all talk to each other. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And thinking about like your resilience infrastructure that you, that Bradford has built here. And uh, do you think about how that could be duplicated and funded like in other areas? Yeah, is, no, totally. So yeah. So actually one need. thing I forgot to mention, that's a great question. So, it was actually great. I mean, horrible time. COVID is a horrible situation, but the the timing of <laughs> a little bit make a mistake there. No, yeah, we're, um, we're on the other. You know, we're in a new world now. <laughs> Lots of new things. Well, the, the thing that was like timing wise interesting is like so I was on Vermont Council World Development, and uh, there was lots of things like future Vermont Action Team happening, but also like um, I usually tend to go to the. Um, the Vermont Leadership Summit, which Vermont Council of Rural Development puts on. It's a really good summit, actually. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. This is the first year I missed it. I um, went this year. I love it. It's so good. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, shout out for Vermont Leadership Summit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Downtown on Preservation Summit, too. That's that's my second favorite. Um, and or Tide. And, uh, but so... There was a few of us who were on community leadership calls, which, like, VCRD does an awesome. Um, you can just jump on a series of calls that are mostly just getting community members together to, like, talk. So a few of us, um, like four of us, um, basically asked VCRD if they could help facilitate. T- like, we were seeing all the mutual aid groups um, forming. So this was Catherine Sims, Rebecca Sanborn Stone, Wendy Rice, um, Carrie Staler, I think, was on there. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but there was a small group of us that are generally pretty connected, not only to our own towns, but, like, regionally and even statewide. Um, And so we were like, there's a bunch of disparate mutual aid groups stepping up. 
uh, they don't know really what they're doing <laughs> uh, in some cases. Some cases they definitely do. Uh, in some cases people are like, they want one. Uh, they don't know how to run one. They don't know how to organize volunteers. Can we start having conversations that's basically just like a coaching for mutual aid groups? So we like all VCRD did that. Um, and so we had like a little, uh, I don't know what we called it. It was like COVID uh, response action team or something. Um, and then we had a, a series of calls that was the VCRD facilitated that was service providers. So that was all like getting healthcare, mental health services together, um, public safety. So there was two sets of calls. And so in the mutual aid one, it was basically like, how do you set up a volunteer structure? Like for Bradford, we had a volunteer form where people could sign up as a volunteer. And then we also had a form that people could request help. And then we had, so we had like 120 people I divided that into te 10 teams and then had a team lead on each one. And so I'd meet weekly with the team leads that were basically like organizing the volunteers. Representative democracy. <laughs> yeah, <bit>. totally. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we did that statewide. And then I actually was on, I'm still on like a national mutual aid network. Um, so I was like doing workshops for, I don't know, some calls that would be like New York City and Detroit and Baltimore and Chicago or like on a call. And in that case, it's like, really hard because there's so many more people that they're trying to like do these mutual aid groups for um so do you see any possibility of state agencies in the legislature investing in this type of infrastructure i'm i i guess i, I have a lot of like <laughs> so many thoughts, <laughs> thoughts on like <laughs> why i'm asking that question but i'm sure but like too. well oh, yeah. Uh, yeah just like for for some context the environmental justice law that passed two years ago sets a deadline on all of the covered agencies under that law to actually get in compliance with the existing federal laws and write community engagement plans, like have meaningful community engagement plans and language access plans. And that word meaningful is defined. So part of it, it's like, it's all, but the fact of the matter is most of Vermont state agencies don't have either of those plans on the books. But even if they did, it doesn't mean anything unless you're actually acting them out, you know, and, and that's that boots on the ground kind of what we need to is coordination of, you know, if every single state agency is trying to do community outreach, you know, it's really, it's still the same couple people in the community that are hoofing around getting the word out about things. Um, but I'm I like, specifically when you said emergency management, or is that? Yeah. Is that, yeah. The, the state agency? Is that, no, no. The, in that case, that was like our, well, maybe, maybe, maybe but yeah. in my case, I was talking about like our local, like, like our yeah. emergency management department. Yeah. And how, you know, it's just vital. Yeah. And it's actually like, it is the government's job. So therefore, you know, it's not volunteers job. So like we could pay community members to do this with government money, <laughs> sort of the case that I'm making. Like, no, there's no law that says you can't pay them to get the word out about, you know, important resources. That's really interesting. So, yes, I actually haven't. I feel like I haven't been a part of a conversation that went that direction, which is really interesting. Like, but an example that gets at what you're saying, you know, very concrete examples like um, the flood. So when the flooding happened, um, Wendy Rice of Vermont Connector started a Facebook group. I think that has over ten. It might even be more. I haven't looked at like I haven't looked at the number for a while, uh, but started uh, 
the basically Vermont flood connector. Um, and so that was that, yeah, that was like, I think by the first weekend it was like 9,000 people. And there was like, basically Wendy was asking several of us, like, can you help? Um, so there's like six of us adminning a group that quickly went to like 10,000 people. Wow. Um, I was not able to like keep up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, it was amazing. Cause it was like, and I was actually structure in Facebook that I've never seen before. And it was, but it was on Facebook too, which is like, um, so it was setting up things like, uh, these are the things you might need help with. These are the resources on how to get it. Um, it, and it was basically like there was at some point, I think it was, I would, I would guess cause I was actively adminning it some, like we were taking shifts basically like all night long for a couple of days. Um, and I would say like probably three to five posts a minute, um, from people. Um, and it was anything from like my house just got destroyed. I don't know how to contact FEMA or it was, I need money or it was like, I know somebody who's now stranded in their house. How do I get them to, how do I get them help? Um, so did you coordinate, they coordinated all those groups? Cause I was on a couple of those Facebook groups after the flood that, that was like a coordinated effort. So, statewide. Uh, um, no, I mean, so Wendy Rice, <laughs> so that was a Thanks, volunteer. That was a volunteer. Yes. Uh, very much. Thank you, Wendy. Wow. Um, so, and then in that there was like chats for different towns yeah. and stuff. And is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, so that was, that was Wendy. Um, and then, and then several other people, um, I can't even remember all the names that I'm not going to try to leave anybody out. <laughs> um, and so we're all of us yeah. are legislators. Um, and so in some cases, uh, you know, there was a, basically an admin, um, group that was, uh, group chat that was like, we see, we we're trying to moderate. So it'd be like, for the most part, we figure out a structure of how to moderate posts. Um, but then it started getting into issues of like, uh, equity and, and things like GoFundMe's that were like, is mm -hmm. this phishing or is this mm -hmm. real? Uh, mm -hmm. so there's like a lot to navigate, but what I was getting to, I want to get to it, the state thing is like, it filled a very specific gap. Like Wendy ended up getting, just seeing like a bunch of, um, people who are reporting water issues. So like mm -hmm. pictures of brown water and uh, citizens were saying like, our town says this is safe. Doesn't really seem like this very uh, gross water. So uh, Wendy at one point joked that she was Aaron Brockovich having her Aaron Brockovich <laughs> moment, <laughs> which is very fitting. Um, but it was an example of like, Wendy like saw all these, started reaching out to legislators, starting reaching out to like water quality people. Um, and like they, in some cases, like didn't know that their water was like not safe. Um, and then, and then got it like handled. Mm -hmm. But that's like, I was reaching out to people trying to like help on my end of like, who's supposed to know <laughs> when yeah. water is safe. Um, well, and, and nobody the crazy knew. thing is that in Vermont, if you're on a well and 30% of Vermonters are on a well, nobody's testing your water. Right. You're testing right. your water. Yeah. And if you're not, nobody is. Right. But also that's that those tests are run by the department of health. Yeah. Whereas on public water systems, which is 70% of Vermont, they're all run through the Department of Environmental Conservation. And they are testing yeah. your water. Yeah, yeah. But they're testing it at the source when it leaves the facility. Right. They're not testing it when it comes out of your pipe. So, like, there is a lot of stuff that can happen along the way, depending yes. on your pipes and your system. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely something that... Um, and there were free water tests, just for anybody who's listening, um, from Vermont Department of Health. Yep. They were free. I'm not sure if they still are, but they might be if you reach out and, you know, ask... Yeah, they just might give it to you for free, but <laughs> yeah, um, 
And it, yeah, is it, but it was like yeah. it's only for specific things too. It's not yeah. Gambit. So, yeah, there's it's like not a, heavy metals. Yeah, yeah, so there's a super disconnect between yeah what this and how fast. And I don't know that this is ever a thing which goes to your paying community members. Like I don't I don't know how like how I don't know what infrastructure the state could put in place that would be able to be as nimble as a mutual aid group. Honestly, what about um, like a two one one app? <laughs> <laughs> like people can I feel like this is a very personal request <laughs> that you're throwing out into can the world. Well, I don't know if anyone's working on digital <laughs> services. No. Um, okay. I think one thing that I saw, especially going back to the flood was most of the people I helped were, you know, immigrants that relocated. They didn't speak really good English. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw like that, that disconnect with the state of being able to provide services to people who did not speak English. Um, yeah. Man, just tell y'all, Department of Labor. <laughs> well, that was one. Um, the wa- the free water testing thing, I, I created a flyer about it and requested for that to be translated, That just the yeah. fact that that exists. It never got translated, but they did use the flyer. But they they didn't manage to translate. But that's one of those things where it's like how, you know, there's this free resource, but it's not translated into any other languages, you know. And Vermont Department of Health did a, a, like, they put a lot of effort into language translation over COVID. They, like, kind of started to get themselves together. Um, But I I think this flood was, like, it was too fast. And, yeah, the, the nimble nature. No, but I, like, I guess the hope I have coming out of this is, like, those stories get told and like i really hope the legislature hey colleagues uh make space <laughs> for hearing about the stuff that didn't work um because we can't get better if we're not talking about that so like it would be even more horrible to come out of the situation where language translation was not happening to like then you know not do anything about it and prepare for the next flood um yeah yeah, I saw that a lot. Just people, like you know, Vermont is this very progressive state. Um, and Aaron just did air quotes just for everyone who can't see. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and it, it's really frustrating in a state that really does pride itself on being progressive and like Black Lives Matter, and you know we want you know new Americans moving here and then they don't provide the type of resources mm-hmm. that we need. Um, like me coming from the South, I didn't know heating oil was a thing. Um, right. I, like didn't know it was a thing. I didn't, didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> um, but then also didn't know like where I could go get my hair done or can I even buy hair products from some like stuff that is so simple that like most white people don't think about. Yeah. Um, like, is a certain town safe for me to go to? Um, and so I feel like Vermont is kind of missing that mark on, like, they're wanting more people to move here, but then they're not providing resources when it comes to, like, translation, when it comes to, like, there, there's, like, nobody that looks like me. I mean, I've been in the state house building, and a certain rep was like, I can see you from a mile away. And that wasn't very... <laughs> That wasn't very, yeah, friendly and, like, thought it was a cute joke. And I was like, okay. You're um, saying I stand out (laughs) for a reason. For a reason. Yeah, Uh like, why did you bring that to my attention? So it's just, like, Mm -hmm. like, I guess 
is how can Vermont really do the things? Like, where's the action behind the words? Like, that's what I feel like is really missing here. And it starts because they don't listen to the people that are having these issues. Like, it's just kind of skipped over in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, on the the things like the lesson learned from the flood, like email someone, if not me. <laughs> just email Monique just, at this no, point. Just like, no, but I mean, like, I feel like that needs to be asked. Like, that needs, that can't be ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Aaron, when it comes to, like, the, the welcoming piece, like, I don't, there's certain, so I think uh, we need to do better at local level. We need to do better at things like, DEI conversations at a local level. But the state needs to, I think the state needs to push that. Um, speaking specifically for Bradford, that did not sign an inclusivity statement um, because it didn't know how to navigate that conversation, which is like a whole thing, which is not okay. What is an inclusive statement? Like, yeah, like, and it's, a, so it, I, because <laughs> that's no. another thing it's like I have so many. okay so th- so this in particular uh was what i'm referencing is a vlct put out like a recommended vermont inclusivity st- yes sorry vermont league of cities and towns acronyms mm-hmm. um and it basically was like i mean i've me personally and a few kind of like newbies uh you know feel like the statement was more or less like we're not going to be jackasses and we're not going to be assholes and bigots and um (laughs) and the you know in in our case in our town um i'm gonna get myself in so much trouble um uh, there was a reluctance to sign a statement which they felt held them accountable to to standards they couldn't meet which i'm like People can sue you any time of the week. Um, so, um, but so I think that, uh, I think town, like, yeah, at a local level, there should be resources for all kinds of things, um, directories and, and so like just community groups, um, things like that. But that's not, that's not like pushed. And I'm going to take it one step yeah. further. Yeah. Because, what does exist is the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, and yeah exactly. The Civil Rights Act, exactly. Title VI specifically yes. of the Civil Rights Act is the non-discrimination yeah. portion. And um, in order for any recipient of federal funds, mm-hmm. so even if you receive a dollar, yeah. and I'm curious about like the ARPA money, like yeah. does that count as federal funds? Because that flows totally. through. Totally, yes, so, it does. Okay, yeah. so if you received ARPA money, right. you have to be in compliance with Title VI. The only way to show compliance is to have a meaningful community engagement plan mm-hmm. and a language access plan. Yeah. So it, that law could be enforced by yeah, filing lawsuits. Definitely. Yeah. Or it could be enforced by people just following the law yeah, and being definitely. proactive and yeah. being like, this is actually the requirement. Whether yeah. you sign it a statement right. or not, totally. yes. you actually have to do the work yeah. ahead of the disaster, ahead of the program, and make a plan for how are you going to get resources out ec- equitably and equally and, yeah. um, you know, in a, and involve the community and the decisions around how even the programs work right. in the first place. So it's like, that's already the law. That's sort of like yeah. always our kind of 
mantra coming out of like a, a lot of us who uh, were trained yeah. at Vermont Law School under Marion Engelman Lotto. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> the queen. Um, yeah, she spent her career enforcing Title VI in the environmental context. And that's that's what it is. And like when it yeah. comes down to it, it's already required. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just words on a page. Right. Right. You know, you actually have to do it. Definitely. And, and yeah. it needs to be funded. Like the community yes. engagement part needs to be funded because that's how you get rid of inequities. So, yeah, I would love to see required trainings and community conversations <laughs> that are funded. They're funded. <laughs> that also fund uh, expert voices to come in. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yesterday in Bradford, I. <laughs> Almost had a wreck, first off, because this older white man decided it was like a good idea to just stop in the middle of the road. And he gave this black woman who did not have a sign that says she was homeless or she needed food. None of that. Like she was just walking like how most of no. us just walk. He stopped. <laughs> Y'all stopped. Roll like literally and was like, hey, and gave her like once. <laughs> oh, my God. And she looked just as confused. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> oh, my God. No, she looked just as confused. Like, I'm just like. Give her his, like, change from his. Yeah, like, that holder. is literally what he did. Like, when I say her face was just like. And I was behind oh in the car like. Goodness gracious. And so we made eye contact because you know when I you wish look you could at all someone, see the faces that Aaron's making. Yeah, <laughs> and then I was they're, like, "They're not good." <laughs> no, not at all. And I was just like, "You stopped, like literally, like just stopped, like right there by the library, like she's minding her own business." I was like, "It would be different if she had a sign that said she was hungry, like she was enjoying the sunshine." And he stopped and was like, "Here," and gave like and gave her money. And I'm confused. She is definitely confused. And we're looking at each other like, is this a normal thing to be black in Vermont? Like white people just stop and give you like the change that they have? Because I haven't received oh that God. yet. <laughs> and I'm waiting on it. <laughs> Why haven't anyone oh welcomed me with dollars? <laughs> but yeah, that was really That's strange. Really interesting one. It was, I was like, so this is what we do. This is how we reparate. <laughs> I truly don't know what to say. I don't about know where that. to go from here. <laughs> it's like, oh, now. Bradford, enact that inclusion plan. <laughs> well, no, and ha don't again, have you know, conversations. Like, it, it's normal to see a black person walking down oh, the street. Yeah. They're not a homeless person. <laughs> We're not all homeless. No, absolutely. <laughs> they probably not. don't need two dollars. <laughs> I mean, buy buy them a coffee. Maybe if they're in line, the coffee shop. Sure, buy your neighbor a coffee. Asked to talk. I don't know. It was just the strangest thing. And I felt so bad for her because, like, I, you could tell she was really confused and did not know where this was coming from. Oh, that's really awkward. But in his heart, he was probably helping a black person. A dollar a day. <laughs> Does what? Uh, huh. Keeps the black people to stay. <laughs> We're gonna need more than a dollar to get you to accomplish that. Oh my god! Oh, I just had to tell y'all that story because I was 
I called my family after that. I was like, I phoned home. I did. I did. I did. I had to. Because I was like, I just have to tell y'all about being black in Vermont right quick. (laughs) And they're like, okay, here's another black in Vermont story. And I was like, y'all. What is this? We should do it like a takeover episode where we change the name of the podcast. <laughs> you can it's a black, black in Vermont. Vermont. Yeah, <laughs> you can just like black and broke in Vermont. <laughs> oh no! Just, just kidding. I do like it here. That's why I stayed. Yeah, <laughs> it just needs to be fixed. <sighs> so, I felt like that story yeah. needed to be told. It was just the the look on her face, like. Are you kidding me right now? I mean, she took it as she should. <laughs> but it was just really confusing. Like not even a conversation. No, like it was like, you know, when people are like, you stop at a red light and you see someone that has a sign, you're like, I have money. Like, literally stopped while she's trying to cross the road. Like, she's trying to cross over at this oh, point. And he stops. I had to slam on my brakes. I'm like, thanks. Neck already hurts. But for you to give like $2. No words of encouragement because I rolled the window down so I could be nosy. Oh boy, it was just like here, here you go. Go wow. buy something nice. That's, that's <laughs> on me. I laughed just to so I don't cry because it's like what is going what is on, happening? Vermont? Just witness. <sighs> okay, Whew. broken Vermont. It's a broken thing. The end. <laughs> Two dollars is not enough to fix. Two dollars is not. <laughs> That's not reparations. <laughs> I had a lot of zeros. It's not gonna pay the rent. Um, I don't. I mean, we don't want to keep you forever. You're a busy lady. <laughs> like the most busy <laughs> lady. No, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, thanks for awesome. coming. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thank you very um, much. Um. So, quick thing. When does your business course start? So people oh. know. Next Wednesday, October 11th. And when is the deadline to sign up? Uh, October 11th. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. We're accommodating people. I mean, I've accepted people after the start. So, um, mm. yeah, 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, if you go to the spaceonmain.org slash rise, R-I-S-E. You don't have to be a member to You do to not have this. to be a member. You do not have to pay anything. You just have to actually show up. Show up. <laughs> and, and apply. It's hybrid. And apply. So, and apply. like, have... It's all grant funded, so I do need to like collect data to be able to tell the story of who we're working with. But That's an amazing because it's hybrid. So it, I've had people from Burlington, Vermont, and Manchester, New Hampshire, and then everything in between. So very good. Well, um, the session starts in January. Yes, is that right? Yep. So um, a couple more months. Yep. Are is there anything that like? people can do to prep for the beginning of the session, like the public to like start to kind of get ideas on the table. This is the second year of the biennium. Yes. Yeah. Which means I would say just reach out any, any time. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, I like to receive, I don't, I can't speak for other mm-hmm. legislators. I've been doing that a lot. I feel like, but, <laughs> um, um, I like to receive like random ideas. I'm happy yeah, to talk cool. to somebody about like a, a way they think something can be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, we have very concrete things like people want a resolution for uh, like I have a meso the how do you, cancer resolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> meso- <laughs> meso- yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. that. 
Um, so do a lot of people have that in Vermont? Um, yes. And like, it was, it was actually like it, this is honoring a family member who like passed, but it's a creating an awareness day basically, which will be next year. Um, but so there's, there are instances where we can do bills, but we can also do resolutions that can be, it can be honoring something or celebrating something or raising awareness to something. So Mm -hmm. people can also submit those anytime. Oh, that's neat. Um, also, you, 211 is a resource for the entire state, right? Yes. It's like a hotline for yeah, like resources. Basically, anytime. Just dial 211. Yeah, anytime you're, and it, that's any state. That's not even just Vermont. It Basically, it's kind of like 911. It recognizes what state you're in and um, will connect you. So if you're experiencing homelessness or need access to food or help paying your heating bills or whatever it is, um, 211 is like the best first place to go to and or direct somebody to if they have an issue that they really need help navigating. I feel like 211 could really utilize AI to like yeah. improve their services and yeah, dig into like what's really out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. AI is our friend. So that's what Aiden said anyway. So you have to treat AI nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Words of retinue. Yeah, let's be, let's be gentle with it. <laughs> I robot. Okay. Like 20 years. Cool. Cool. Okay. Thank well, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's Aaron and Jen. And money. And money. <laughs> <laughs>